This is 365 Tech by Suites. Today, we are on part four of our 12-part series going through Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. This book was written in 2016 and copyrighted in 2017. So, written within the past five years, Kevin is talking about some patterns and some trends that he has spotted throughout his years being the founder of Wired Magazine and how those are going to affect the next couple decades for human civilization. As I already mentioned, today is part four, screening. We've already covered the first three parts, becoming, cognifying, and flowing. So if you missed those, be sure to check them out. Kevin has a lot of good content, and I do my best to try to pull out the main concepts from those sections. So screening. Screening is the concept that we will start putting watchable screens on any flat surface. It includes reading words, but also watching words and reading images. If we step back to ancient times, people in culture revolved around the spoken word. We were, we were people of the words. We conveyed our ancestry and we communicated and we transacted through spoken word. Then, about 500 years ago, or orality was overthrown by technology with Gutenberg's creation of the printing press creating exact perfect copies at very high speeds and with great stability we transitioned from people of the word to people of the book we were able to then communicate incredibly more and more vast amounts of information and with more variance on the meanings behind them Creation of the printing press enabled more jobs to be created that weren't previously available, like journalism and, um, what's another one? Science, the creation of libraries, and even creating legal offices and law. None of these were available before the printing press was created. Today, we've got more than 5 billion digital screens which illuminate our daily lives. Display manufacturers are going to be cranking out over 3.8 billion new additional screens per year. That is one new screen each year for every human on Earth. Congratulations. Go ahead and get your upgrade. Just kidding. They're not dishing them out like that. We're going to start putting watchable screens on nearly every surface, every flat surface at least. This has created a transformation or an evolution from people of the book to people of the screen. Screen culture is a world of constant flux, of endless sound bites, quick cuts, and, and half-baked ideas and memes. It's a flow of tweets, headlines, Instagrams, texts, and first impressions, notions that don't stand alone but are massively interlinked to everything else. Screens are not fixed and rigid as books are. They are continuous and flowing. They're able to be collaborated on. You're able to link and receive links and be linked to from other digital sources. Screens fundamentally change the way that ideas are shared and transactions are made and we communicate as a species. People of the book favor solutions by law while people of the screen favor technology as a solution to all problems. We are in a unique time where society is still in a transition between being people of the book and people of the screen. As a result, we're seeing tension. People are trying to put value both in books and in screens, and this is leading to a lot of dissonance because they are fundamentally different sources of knowledge and different ways to communicate information. Books are the first media that screening is transforming. So first, screening is going to change individual books. Then it's going to alter libraries of books. 
and then it will modify other movies and videos, and then it will disrupt gaming and education, and finally it's going to change everything else. So since the traditional shell of the book is vanishing, we're starting to see more electronic forms and um, fluid forms of books being released and used on a massive scale. It's fair to wonder whether the organization of a book is a fossil. Does, does the intangible container of a book, does the book format offer any advantages over the other forms of text available? Neurological studies show that learning to read changes the brain's circuitry. Instead of skipping around distractedly gathering bits, when you read, you're transported, focused, and immersed. You can spend hours reading on the web and never encounter this kind of focused literature space. You get fragments, threads, glimpses. That's one of the great attractions of the web, actually. The miscellaneous pieces that are loosely joined, but without any containment. There are no borders. Everything's just loosely joined, and everything's able to spin away, nudging um, your attention outward, wandering away from the central narrative or the argument. I personally enjoy reading hardcover books more than I enjoy reading ebooks right now. That might just be my bias because that's what, I, that's what I've done in the past. So the past predicts the future unless you're willing to make a change. But, um, but we can continue from there and see that ebooks are changing the fundamental way that people are reading. Take the highlighting abilities of Kindles, for instance. We can now filter the most popular highlights of all readers and take this and read the book in an entirely new way. I can see how other readers who have taken a, an academic look at a specific novel, what parts of the book they find important, what quotes they highlighted, and what takeaways they drew from the book. In addition to that, we can start to link. We can not just highlight and draw importance to single things, but we can draw um, and link, hyperlink different works. So currently this stands in the form of citations and bibliographies where we can kind of just link books at the end. What if, because of the screen interface that we're able to interact with, you actually select a book title and then you're brought directly into a book? So the book that I'm reading right now, The Inevitable, Understanding the Twelve Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. If inside of the screen section and it talks about Amazon, you select that and you're automatically taken to Amazon's website where you're able to see the specific reference that he pulls about Amazon's company culture. And then from there, you click in and you're able to see um, The Alchemist, a book that was written by, um, I can't remember his name, and you're able to actually see that text in the exact section that Amazon pulled from their website. And in this path, you're able to directly trace links all the way through to the exact source of where this knowledge came from. The point being, the collaborative nature and the dense hyperlinking that's enabled with screening culture is going to drastically and fundamentally change the way that we read and gain information and interact as a species. Once we have these hyperlinks in place, we're able to start gathering and isolating and creating subsets of the overall human knowledge. And with subsets of the human knowledge, there is the actual set of all things that humans know. This is a dream of a universal library. This stream isn't new, it's actually been around for centuries, tracing all the way back to 300 BC with the Great Library of Alexandria. That was constructed in 300 BC and it was designed to hold all of the world's circulating knowledge in one centralized place. At the height of the library, it was estimated to have between 30% and 70% of all books in existence. That was an intrinsically hard process. You had physical books and physical assets that you had to physically transport and move them across space and trying to maximize your time. 
now the Universal Library is within our grasp. We've got people who are backing up entire archives of the internet and storing it and mapping it and trying to create logical flows through all of those massive amounts of data, as well as linking the individual nodes together with edges that make sense to humanity. It is technologically possible for us today to create this Universal Library that, Alex that the Library of Alexandria attempted to create in 300 BC. Such a complete library is obviously going to have every article written in any newspaper, magazine, or journal. It's also going to include every painting, every photograph, every film, every piece of music produced by every single artist, present and past. And it's also going to include radio, television pro uh, broadcasts, commercials, any type of media that you can think would reside in this library. One of the reasons being our ability to densely hyperlink is going to rely on our ability to continue to find the sources of information. To give you a sense of the size of what the Universal Library is and will contain, we humans have now published over 310 million books, 1.4 billion articles and essays, 180 million songs, 3.5 trillion images, 330,000 movies, a billion hours of video, TV shows and short films, and 60 trillion public web pages. The Universal Library of Books is going to be unlike any library of books that we've ever seen, because rather than read books, we're going to be able to screen this library in a way that people have only imagined. And once a new book has been integrated into this newly expanded library, by just by linking it to that library in some way, the text is no longer separate from the text of the library and of the other books. It's now actually a part of that ecosystem. A reader will be able to generate a social graph of any idea or um, a timeline of a concept or even a, a map of influence for any notion that's contained within the Universal Library. We're going to come to understand that no idea, no work stands alone. That everything that's good, true, and everything, all beautiful things are ecosystems of intertwined parts, related entities that uh, transcend time. We've got past and present all working together in one universal source of knowledge. So what happens in the world when all of the books become a single liquid fabric of interconnected words and ideas? Four things, actually. First, works on the margins of popularity are going to find a small audience larger than the near-zero audience that they have right now. It's going to be significantly easier to find niche ideas and concepts when everything is linked together and tagged and searchable. You can go in and I could find how to perform a tow hook on a specific mountain range in the Andes because the, anybody who has ever thought of, had an idea, or professed anything about that concept is going to be found, tagged, and linked to my search so that I'll be presented with that information. So it's, there's now no reason for ideas not to be seen besides the fact that nobody cares about them. Secondly, the Universal Library will deepen our grasp of history. Because everything has a link back to the source of that information, we're able to continue to trace down that rabbit hole back through history to find the true source of any single idea, where it originally came from, and then the different diverse aspects or the diverse ideas and concepts that came to form that, that original idea. Third, the Universal Library is going to cultivate a new sense of authority. Because everything is searchable, we will have a solid understanding of what we as a civilization and as a species do and do not know. Collective empty spaces can be highlighted and whited out to illuminate the need for this, for work and research to be done in these fields.
and the questions that we ask in our current literature might highlight new white areas and areas that we need to perform more research in and where we can dedicate more energy to as a species. Fourth and finally, the Universal Library is going to be more than just the complete works of everything, and it's more than just a searchable library. It actually becomes a platform for all of cultural life. We'll be able to build applications on top of it, such as a virtual reality app that scans all location data in the Universal Library to present an augmented, augmented or virtual reality overlaying a city. Everything about you are going to become involved in this, and every application will be able to be built on top of it because it's going to need the data from this Universal Library because this Universal Library will have the largest and most pure and uh, truly derived and secure of data sets. Everything is linked and tagged in a way that makes it incredibly easily indexed as well as easily accessible and usable within applications. Books were great at developing a contemplative mind. They're still great at developing a contemplative mind. Screens encourage more utilitarian thinking. Propaganda is less effective in the world of screens because while misinformation travels as fast as electrons, so do corrections. Very soon, we're going to see that most manufactured items from shoes to cans of soup are going to contain a small sliver of dim intelligence. And screens are going to be the tool we use to interact with this ubiquitous cognification. I will catch you tomorrow for the next technological force accessing.